awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I, um, for those of you who don't know me, you've never met me before, my, my name is Jeff Mann, like he said. My wife and I pastor James River Church in town. We moved here in 2005 uh, to, to plant a church, and that's why we came here. And right away, one of the first things I did, I'm so grateful for, is I connected with Pastor Tom. And I heard, like, there's this pastor, he's about your age. You know, that was a long time ago now, 16 years ago. And uh, he's at the Assembly of God Church, which my wife and I, um, I was saved in an Assemblies of God Church. Uh, we, we met at an Assemblies of God Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, got married there after our first year and finished the school together. And so I'm like, I'm going to go connect with this guy. And Tom and I just hit it off right away, and he truly is one of my best friends. And I have been so strengthened in my walk with Jesus uh, through my friendship with Tom. I'm so thankful for him. And... Um, I remember in 2006, you know, the first couple years that my wife and I lived in Huron were two of the worst years of our life, to be honest with you. Uh, it was awful. We were completely unprepared for the spiritual warfare that we encountered. Um, we were, uh, we were just, I just feel like we were a punching bag, to be honest, for the devil. And it took us about a year and a half to get our footing again. God kept us from getting knocked out by the, it's his grace. But Tom's friendship was one of those graces in my life that helped me in that season. And I remember he gave me, it was in 2006, that one of the things Tom and I have in common is we love John Bevere. Um, he's one of my favorite authors, John Bevere. And he had come out with a new book at the time called Driven by Eternity. Have you ever read that? Anybody ever read that book? That's a must-read book. I encourage you, go home and order it today off Amazon or something. Like Driven by Eternity. That, Tom gave me this book. It changed my life. And uh, he just went through what the Bible teaches about the eternal judgments uh, that are on your calendar, whether you realize it or not. Every single person, you're going to stand before Jesus as a judge. And, um, and, and it, this book goes into detail describing what that's going to be like. And I was so stirred when I read that book, like the spirit was breathing on it, moving in my heart. And I was just focused on eternity. I'm like, I want to live for eternity. I don't want to just live for the passing pleasures of this life because they're, they're, they're here and they're gone. They're like building sandcastles. One little wave, the tide comes in, and you can't even tell that it was ever there. I'm like, I don't want to build my life that way. I want to I build according to the wisdom of God as described in the scriptures in such a way that I have fruit that remains. Amen? Like that we're, I'm enjoying rewards forever based upon the choices I make in this short little life. And so, you know, Tom gave me that book. I'm like, man, thank you so much. This book is changing my life. I actually bought 20 copies after I read it to give away to people. Just because I'm like, if you promise to read this, you can have it for free. If you won't read it, tell me the truth. I'll give it to somebody else. I would, that's what I would really say because I, I actually paid money for these books. But, um, yeah, love that book. And, and, and so that's been a study of my heart. Like, I love to meditate on the many passages in Scripture that describe what eternity will be like. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is I want to talk about what is eternity going to be like. Because here's what I've actually found. I've actually found in talking with many believers, different places, uh, that a lot of us, we're like, yeah, heaven's going to be awesome. I'm like, amen. I'm like, why? Well, God will be there. Amen. We're going to feel his presence. Amen. What are we going to do? 
it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be really awesome. And I love that is true, right? I get that. Like that is, that's a, that's a good place to start. But actually the Bible gives descriptions. It gives details. And that will, if you can read these biblical descriptions and let the picture that's described form in your mind. And you can, I, I find this, um, you know, I've got a bunch of kids and one of the things we love to do is take vacations. I'm going to try and do my best for the camera person not to pace too much. So I'll just stay close here. Um, we love to take vacations. But, you know, I could, go to my, I, I could go to my kid when they were little, and I could be like, man, we are going to go to an island in the Caribbean. And, you know, if they, you know, I know what that means. But, you know, they may be like, yeah, cool. And they may be like, dad's excited, so it must be awesome, and therefore I'm excited. But their excitement goes to a whole nother level when I get online and I show them videos of people snorkeling in the crystal clear blue waters, of people playing in the sand, drinking coconuts as they lay in the hammocks on hanging palm trees on white sand beaches. You know, when I show them the lobster and the fresh seafood that people are eating from there, the pineapple and the different things, then it's like once they see details, it's like once they can get the picture in their mind, what they can see themselves in the picture. And when that happens, their excitement, they're like, is it time yet? No, it's not. It's like this summer. It's like three months away. Like, oh, is it time yet, Dad? They're so excited. And I find that about eternity. It's like, we, of course, we're excited about our eternal future with God for those who are following Jesus. Because, you know, he's awesome. We're going to be with him forever. He says it's cool. It's going to be cool, right? But what happens is when we get in the word, and we actually meditate on the passages that describe it. There's many of these passages. I'm going to look at probably the most famous one this morning. Um, what happens is a picture forms in our mind, and you'll be able to start seeing yourself in the picture. And, and here's, here's a lot of people. This is even believers, okay? This is the idea they have about eternity. It has something to do with floating on clouds, playing a harp, Seeing angels. That, just to tell you my opinion here, you know, this is just me. That sounds like a peaceful afternoon. That sounds like a fun, peaceful afternoon. Like, yeah, kind of chilling on a cloud, playing a harp. This, that sounds peaceful. Like, ah, oh, that's a good afternoon. But that sounds like an, a very boring eternity. Like to do that year after year after year after. And every once in a while you see a friend float by. And like, what's up, man? This is awesome. It's like, yeah, bro, I got a new song. Like that's so cool. And, uh, you know, and it's, um, but a lot of times that's the picture that people have. And, uh, um, but that's actually not the biblical description of what God's plans for eternity. So I'm going to tell you one sentence right now. And if you can grasp this one short sentence, you're, you're well on your way to beginning to understand what God's eternal dream is. How many of you know when God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I imagine them, they didn't need us. They, I imagine them for all eternity, they're sitting around this table of fellowship, 
delighting in one another, like enjoying one another, like they were fully satisfied. But then they, I, I just imagined them dreaming together about let's create earth. Let's create a universe. Let's create trees. Let's make seas. Let's make rivers and fruit and all kinds of vegetation. Let's create animals, like lots of them. Let's just go crazy brainstorming and think how many crazy ideas we can come up with of insects and, and flying creatures and creatures that swim in the sea. And let's just, and they came up with this dream and then the pinnacle of their dream and like, and let's create man. Let's create human beings in our likeness and then and so that they can actually sit at this table of counsel and fellowship with us in relationship and we'll we'll invite them into our fellowship that we've been enjoying for eternity we're going to invite them into it and and here's God's dream if I sum it up in one sentence are you ready I'm gonna have you repeat it because if you get this one sentence that's good okay God's eternal dream is to live on the earth with his people forever. I'm going to say that again, and then I'm going to have you repeat it after. God's eternal dream, if I were to sum it up in one sentence, the dream that was in God's heart when he said, let there be light, when he started, when he kicked the whole creation process off, they're dreaming about it. He's got the blueprints. And then he's like, it's building day. Let's do this thing. Day one. And he said, let there be light. Like the ultimate dream where this thing was going, he was like, God's dream is to live on the earth. Everybody say, on the earth. Like this very planet that I'm standing on, that you're sitting in on right now, this very planet isn't going away. This very planet is, will be here for eternity, and there will be human beings living on this planet forever. And God himself is going to live on this planet, this earth that we're living on right now, forever with his righteous people. Forever. On and on and on and on and on. So here's the cool thing. You know, you get an expert builder, an architect. You know, they build these giant skyscrapers and all this kind of thing. Before construction ever begins, they have the entire blueprint mapped out. They know, like, day one, this is supposed to be built. After that, this is phase two of the building process. And they know the end from the beginning, and they have a process in which they're going to build it until it comes to completion. And God, I, I, I'm just going to um, give you an overview of the biblical storyline. This is, this is a passion of mine. The whole Bible tells one story. You know, 66 different books. But all of it from beginning to end, it tells one story of God's dream, his plan for people. And I'm going to tell you just a simple four-part summary of the biblical storyline. Part number one creation. Genesis 1 and 2. God kicks the plane off. He creates human beings, right? He starts off, his, his intent is that the whole earth is filled with people living in right relationship with God and relationship with one another. But he starts with two. <laughs> and he puts them in a garden called Eden somewhere in the Middle East. And he sticks them there. 
And he says, be fruitful and multiply. And, is in, and, and there were boundaries to the garden, right? And within the boundaries, you know, two people, you can only take care of so much land, right? So there were borders to the garden, and these two people were to care for the garden and cultivate it. It was a paradise. And God walked with people on the earth in the garden. He walked with them. He fellowshiped with them. And his dream was started, and his intent was that as they continued to be fruitful and multiply, eventually there'd be more and more people, so they would extend the boundaries of the garden until eventually the whole earth would be an Eden, a garden-like paradise. Um, the whole earth would be filled with his glory. So he kicks his plan off, phase one, creation, Genesis 1 and 2. Phase Part two of the biblical storyline, the fall, which is Genesis chapter three. People decided to rebel against God. That created a problem. And uh, they decided to disobey God and obey Satan instead. And so the earth came under the dominion of darkness, that which God created for good. That which God created in light came under the dominion of darkness when the leaders, the caretakers of the earth, the ones who were delegated authority by God to rule and govern the earth, when they submitted to darkness, now Satan could just manipulate them to do anything that he wants. And that's what we see happening even today, right? But the good news is, is that the biblical storyline doesn't end in Genesis 3. Even at the end of Genesis 3, you see God kicking into phase 3 of the biblical storyline, which is redemption. Because God knew the fall was going to happen before it ever happened. And he already had a plan in place <laughs> to be able to redeem and restore everything that was lost. And in the end, he's going to complete his original plan. So you got uh, the, uh, Genesis chapter 3, really, uh, when God confronts Adam and Eve and, and the serpent. All the way, really, through the end of the Bible, you see God's redemption plan for what was lost in the fall just begin to unfold. He just kind of reveals it in installments, and it just builds throughout the whole test story of the scripture. And it comes to a conclusion uh, uh, in, in uh, Revelation 21 and 22, which is the final restoration or the new heavens and the new earth you guys tracking with me only one or two are here's what i love about this satan did not win in the fall with genesis 3 Many times, this is what we think that God's just like, man, it was such a good idea. It was good. Like he finished this, you know, after six days of creation, he's like, it was good. He was so excited. Like, it's just perfect. It's exactly what we envision. He's like, it's awesome. It's going to work perfect. And then Genesis 3 happens, and he's, he's not like, man, it would have been so cool, but now it's ruined. You know what? I'll just, this is what most of us think God's redemption plan is. Well, I'll just salvage what I can out of this mess. Salvage as many people I can, you know, trash the whole thing, throw it away, take the people away to somewhere, heaven, forever. And just be like, okay, lesson learned, 
don't do that. That was an experiment gone wrong. I'll just salvage what I can out of it. But that's not what the Bible says. What ends up happening is Jesus is going to finish what he started in Genesis 1 and 2. Satan's not going to win at all. God is going to redeem people through what Jesus did on the cross, through his resurrection, and he's going to, through his return and his eternal reign. God's going to redeem it. And not only that, he's going to restore all the earth, all the, the curse on natural creation is going to be lifted off and everything's going to flourish again like in the Garden of Eden. And God is, the Bible says this, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's a human being. He's fully God, always has been. But at a point in time, he became a human being, and he didn't give up his humanity when he ascended to heaven. He's in heaven at this moment in a physical body. And when he returns, he returns in his physical body. And he wages war against the rebellion. And those who have become entrenched in darkness and they've refused to take the, the salvation that, God off, that Jesus offered to them. They're like, they've rebelled, they've hardened their hearts. They're like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, which is really manipulated by demonic spirits. And they embrace that dark nature. And Jesus is like, do you think that I'm going to let this continue forever? The Bible talks about the day of the Lord when Jesus comes. And there's a sudden, complete reversal that is coming when Jesus returns. Like the rebellion will be crushed by the Lamb of God. Isn't that interesting? I could preach on that. Revelation 6, one of the, judge, the judgment, these judgments are being poured out. And people are like, Jesus is the one initiating these judgments. The one who died for the sins of the world is the one who's dispensing. The one who bore the wrath of God in our place is the one who will dispense the wrath of God on the ungodly at the end of the age. And no one's going to look at him and be like, well, you just don't care. You're just doing this horrible stuff to it. And he'll just be like, I experienced what you experienced. I bore the wrath of God in your place. I gave you the opportunity to repent. You had a second chance. You could have, I would have rescued you from the dominion of darkness. I would have liberated you from the demonic power that was controlling your life you could have been free I died for you I love you but because I love human beings and because I love the planet that I created I will not let the rebellion continue forever because what happens right now is is evil people are doing horrible things all over the world read the news about Afghanistan Myanmar I mean just the news going on today I could I, there's so much more and there's people who are under this oppression of powerful, wicked people. And it looks like they're getting away with horrible stuff. And they're like, what's going on? Is there, is there any just judge who has authority that I can appeal to you that will rescue me? And the Lord's like, I am that righteous judge. And I see and I love you. And, a, and in his kindness, even now, he offers mercy 
to us sinners who are oppressing others, but a day is coming when he will return and the repression will come to a sudden end. And even Satan and all the demonic spirits that stirred people to do wicked things will be rounded up, tried, judged, sentenced, and put into a prison for eternity called the lake of fire forever. And we, here we are, we're part of the rebellion. We're part of the rebellion. We have this really good king. He's the rightful king by right of creation. He's the rightful king of the earth. And he's like, I am coming. And when I come, you know, I, I, it's, 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 I'm going to establish righteousness in the earth. And that's why the earth will rejoice. I just imagine, I read Romans 8 where it says all creation longs for the day. And the sons of God are revealed. And it's liberated from the curse. Humanity all over the world. The people are groaning. Believers being persecuted, tortured. Horrible things around the world for their faithfulness to Jesus. And he's like, I love you. I see. I'm coming to rescue you. Like that day is coming. It's the day of the Lord. This is the biblical storyline. Because when the Lord comes, he finishes what he started in Genesis 1 and 2. He brings his redemption plan to completion with a crescendo, with an exclamation mark. And all the earth, all the peoples, especially those of us who know him, <laughs> we will rejoice. And then what does he do? Revelation 21, 22, new heavens and the new earth. He restores he lifts the curse off of creation and he restores it. And Jesus is going to rule the nations as a king forever. Like Jesus will live on the planet. He'll be here. He'll, he's not just coming for a thousand years and taking off again. He's staying forever. And he will rule this king. He will, he will be, you're just like, wow, where is he going to rule? The capital of his empire let me illustrate it like this. Jesus will have an empire that it, he won't just rule. He'll be the king of Israel. He'll live in Jerusalem. That'll be the capital city of his empire on the new earth. But his, he's not just going to rule Israel. His, he's going to rule over every nation. His empire will actually encompass the entire planet, all peoples of every nation, tribe, and tongue. So I'll illustrate it like this. When you think of, I don't think we're used to thinking about empires, right? Because we live in the United States and it's, it's kind of different. Think of the Roman Empire. There's been many empires throughout the history. Think of the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire, uh, there was one king ruling over the Roman Empire, Caesar. You with me? He lived in the city of Rome. It was a city. And it was the capital of his empire. City of Rome was in a country called Italy. But Caesar didn't just rule over Italy because the Roman armies actually had conquered throughout the uh, what's today modern-day Turkey. Throughout that whole region and a little bit beyond, um, the Roman armies had conquered different nationalities, different peoples, and they imposed Roman law there and Roman culture and Roman values 
and all the people were loyal to Caesar who lived in Rome. You guys following me? So like Caesar's empire didn't just encompass Italy, but in the same way, there's been many empires of varying sizes throughout the ages, the Babylonian Empire, Assyrian, etc., the Ottoman Empire. But do you know that Jesus is the only one who will have an empire that will literally encompass all the nations, all the people groups, every nation, tribe, and tongue. And his capital will be the city of Jerusalem in the nation of Israel. But just like Caesar, when he would, his armies would conquer a new land, a new territory, he would appoint all the new leaders in that area and make sure that they were loyal to him, that they governed according to their Roman laws and values and culture was established. And you guys with me? In the same way with Jesus, like he's going to return. He's going to set up his capital in the city of Jerusalem. He will appoint the leaders and the rulers of all the nations, all the people groups on the earth. And the whole earth will flourish under his leadership. Now, have I lost you yet? I know, here's what I, these are actually like, um, I I remember, you know, I've been saved since 1993. And I, I never heard about this stuff. I never did. I was just like. Live for eternity. I heard that. Live a holy life. I heard that, and I love that. Love Jesus. Walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with God. Uh, Walk in the power of the Spirit. Finish the Great Commission. Go to unreached people groups. Preach the gospel. Make disciples of Jesus. I'm like, yeah. Miracles, signs, wonders, prayer, fasting. You know, just... I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm all in. And, and the only thing I knew about eternity was, like, there's heaven, there's hell. We get to go to heaven. Just keep following Jesus, right? But what I found is, like, you know, I don't know, it was 10, 15 years ago, I just began, like, in the scriptures just seeing these things all over the place. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there is so much detail like, I did not real like, I never, for some reason, I, I never used to picture Jesus as a human king living in the city of Jerusalem, ruling the nations in that kind of earthy, physical way. I just, ne- I, I rarely ever thought of him in that type of way. But now that my, I, I see it, I see it all over the place. I'm like, this is the storyline. This is like all over. You, the Old Testament prophets prophesied it about the Messiah. There's more prophecies about the return and the reign of the Messiah on the earth than there is about his first coming. There's a bunch of them about his first coming. Absolutely necessary. If he doesn't come and die on the cross and rise again, he's got nobody that's going to live in his kingdom because we're all going to hell with the devil. Creation, the fall, redemption, which is like Genesis 3 through the end of the Bible. And then finally, that final restoration is the climactic conclusion to the story. Genesis, I'm not sorry, not Genesis, Revelation 21, 22. It gives us a sneak peek. There's actually sneak peeks in other places of the Bible too, but the, the most famous one is Revelation 21 and 22, it gives us a sneak peek into what will it actually be like when when we're living on the new earth with Jesus reigning. It actually gives us some description. There's other places, too, that are really good. But I I just, I'll just say this. 
the biblical storyline begins in Eden and it ends in Eden. What God started in Genesis 1 and 2, he brings to completion in Revelation 21 and 22. So when you think of, if, if you're following Jesus, when you think of your eternal future, don't picture yourself on a cloud playing a harp. Picture yourself in a physical body. Picture yourself standing on, in lush green grass. Picture yourself like walking in sand, earth, dirt. Putting your feet on a beautiful day, perfect temperature, just standing in a crystal clear river as the water with perfect temperature just washes over your feet and your ankles. Eating delicious fruit, excellent meat, delicious drinks. My wife and I like to dream. We're like, forever we'll go on dates to excellent and drink excellent coffee. In the New Jerusalem forever. <laughs> we like coffee. But there's going to be crops, agriculture. I, mean, the, I could show you verses of this. There's going to be uh, people. Uh, there's going to be people living in homes. After Jesus returns, there's going to be people living in homes and households. Um, yeah, just uh, every all the the physical pleasures. That you enjoy now are only a hint of what you will enjoy in fullness without the curse. So, you know, it's like I can go to the Caribbean right now. It's the closest thing I can think of to the New Jerusalem. I could go to the Caribbean. I love the scuba dive, snorkel. And I could go into the water. But you know what? Like, if I don't reapply sunblock I end up with a sunburn and there's pain and it hurts and I can and you have to be careful because um, sometimes you go into these places and there's like third world countries type and you can get robbed <laughs> but imagine yourself jo enjoying like pleasures like this because the earth is going to be here you're going to be in a physical body run jump play eat sing dance shout giving each other hugs. We're not going to be like holograms. We're going to have physical bodies. It's not going to be like, brother, you look vaguely familiar. Like I think in another life, did I know you? I, I just, man, oh, yeah, that's right. You were in my church when I was in third grade. You made it, dude. We're here. Like, yes, whoa, I was trippy. We passed right through each other. Like, that is so weird. It's not going to be like that. You're going to be in physical bodies. You're going to be able to touch. But you won't be able to get sick. There will be no curse, no death, no suffering of any type, and no sadness whatsoever. You'll be in perfect physical health, like, every single day. Imagine a day when, um, when you don't, you know, I'm, I'm 45 now, when you don't, when you don't get tired. If you sleep, it's because you want to. <laughs> Not because your body is just running down. Uh, you know, it's like, um, 
I'm getting some gray hairs now. Getting the gray hairs. You know, because this body, right? This body is, is passing away. But the renewed body that you'll be living in forever, it will never pass away. You'll be in vigor and health forever with no fear of injury, which opens up amazing possibilities for me of the, um, the sports that I can play without fear of injury. I'm very excited about that. So I want to just, um, I want to just look Revelation 21. I've got about 12 minutes. I'm not going to get through the whole chapter, but you can read it on your own. And uh, by the way, if you're interested, I actually wrote a book on this subject. I just finished it earlier this year. I have a, like a few of them out there, seven or eight of them. They're on the welcome table. You can get one. It's called Paradise, God's Eternal Plan for People in the Earth. And I actually have study questions with Bible references because this is important. You shouldn't believe this because I'm saying it. If you're intrigued and you're like, man, is that true? I would encourage you, look up the scriptures, study it for yourself in your own Bible, and if you could see, oh my goodness, this does say that, then believe it. Does that make sense? So be a Berean. But they're, they're $10 each. If you want to get one, you can just grab one out there. Um, so Revelation 21, I'm just going to start. I'll get through at least the first eight verses, and we'll see if I get farther. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. I'm going to just say something about that real quick. I, there, there are some, uh, like scholars, who believe that the new heavens and the new earth, it's almost like God disintegrates this current earth and the current heavens. And, you know, like, um, and then he, he kind of starts over. He builds a whole new one that's not defiled by sin. And, um, and so that's the new heavens and the new earth. But there are many other scholars that don't believe that's what happened. And I don't believe that's what happens at all. I believe the new heavens and new earth is not, he doesn't, you know, I heard one guy say, one preacher, um, God's not going to death star the earth, if you've seen Star Wars. He's not going to blow up the planet and just recreate another one. The new heavens and the new earth, it's, it's called new because it's like the old order of things on this planet. Where the, in this present, the Bible talks about two ages. This present evil age and the age to come, which is eternal. It's the kingdom of God. Okay? So this present evil age is marked by two primary features. Sin has infested every corner of the planet. And suffering or the curse because of sin. It's the result of sin. The age to come is marked by righteousness. There's no more sin. And blessing. There's no more curse. You guys following me? And the new heavens and new earth, God's not talking about like I'm going to just blow up the old one and start all over and create a new one. It's new because it's like the old order of things, like it is in this age, of sin and suffering and the curse is going to be done away with. And the new, the resto restored earth, restored heavens, restored earth, which is marked by blessing and righteousness, is going to come. And the, one of the reasons I believe that is because of the following verses. He actually describes this, where he says, 
There'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow. He says the old order of things is gone. It's a new day. It's a new heavens and a new earth with Jesus reigning on it. Think, I think of it like this. I, um, you know, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, a what? A new creation. What does it say then? The old is and the new has. So when I got born again, God didn't disintegrate me. Like, I'm still Jeff. God didn't just, like, annihilate me and create a new Jeff that looks exactly like me with my exact personality and everything and say, you are the new Jeff. I'm still Jeff. I woke up the next day in the same physical body that I had the day before when the spirit was not living inside of me. The next day, I had the same physical body. I was the same Jeff. I had the same memories. I had the same uh, connection, relationships with my family. But now it was different because I had the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And I had these new desires and I was made clean. And Anyway, and it's the same way with the new earth. He's not going to annihilate it. He's going to restore it. And he's going to finish. What, here's one of the things I like about this. God didn't lose to the devil in Genesis 3. He just looked at the devil. He's like, yeah, okay, I knew that was going to happen. And he's like, I'm still going to do my plan. I'm going to go through a 6,000-ish year process where I'm going to restore it. And when all is said and done, I'm going to have my earth. I'm going to live on it with my people forever. And we see that right here in Genesis. I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Revelation chapter 21. By the way, a great study. Read Genesis 1 and 2. And then go straight to Revelation 21 2 and 22. First two chapters and the last two chapters of the Bible are like bookends. Okay? Read them and compare. Because what God started in the first two chapters, you see it. It's brought to maturity and fullness in the final two chapters. And if you want to extend that out a little bit further... Okay, the first two chapters of the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth and people and everything's perfect in his creation, right? Chapter three, third chapter from the beginning of the Bible, Satan comes and sabotages God's creation. Fast forward, third chapter from the end of the Bible, God destroys the devil. Last two chapters, God restores and finishes what he started in the first two chapters. All right, Revelation 21. I know this is a ton of information. If you're hearing this concepts for the first time, I'm, I imagine by now you're checked out and your, your mind is spinning because these are totally brand new thoughts and I get that, that's okay. I would just encourage you, go read it. Go home and study it in the Bible and see if it's true. Be a Berean. Uh, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city... The new Jerusalem, what's it doing? It's what? Coming down what? Where? From where? Out of? Well, where's it coming to? The earth. Again, God's not just going to, when people die, if somebody dies today, they will go to heaven. That's where they go. They go to heaven to be with God. But that's not where they're going to be for eternity. They're going to be there as long as Jesus remains there. But when Jesus, Jesus isn't going to stay there forever. 
day is coming. He's coming back to the earth. And when he does, all his saints are coming with him and they get new physical resurrected bodies. It's called the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. Anyway, he says, the new Jerusalem is coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. You know what I love about this? Is what I love about this is like, what does it mean when the city... It's dressed like a bride prepared for her husband. When you think of a bride on her wedding day, she like spares no expense, skips no detail in just preparing herself to be as to present herself to her husband, the most beautiful version of her that she can muster up. You guys with me? <laughs> like spares no expense to present herself to her husband. Why? It's about covenant. It's about covenant to present herself to her husband, to begin their life together in covenant, intimate relationship as husband and wife. And I see the bridegroom God coming back for his bride, and he gives her a, the, the city. This ultimate wedding gift is coming. And this, as you can read in the rest of the chapter, which I know I won't have time for. I encourage you to read later. You see, he spares no expense, extravagant detail. I mean, like, the city wall is made of precious gems. This is a city like you've never, ever imagined or seen before. Every description about this city is a literal, it's not just figurative, it's a literal description. The dimensions of the city given are literal dimensions. The city will be, it says later on, um, 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide. That's approximately from, if you drew a line down the continental United States, go to South Dakota and go all the way to the either the East Coast or the West Coast. It's basically half the size of the continental United States, one city, the New Jerusalem. It's descending down to the earth where the, the present Jerusalem is, and that's going to be its capital city. And what we get here is he describes, for the rest of this chapter, he, he talks about it's a new heavens and a new earth. And then he kind of, you know how you can, like, look at Google Maps? You can look at, you can, like, zoom out and you see the whole earth, right? But then you can zoom in and look at one city and you can see street names and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of what's happening in this chapter. He starts zoomed out. He's like, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Then he zooms in on the new Jerusalem. And he describes in detail what that city looks like. And, and it's, it's this concept. He's like, I'm going to give you an idea of what kind of what this new earth is going to be like. And he describes the capital city. And the idea is it, even the description of many of the things in the capital city, there'll be elements of that. I would say probably lesser glory spread out over the whole new earth. Okay, let me keep going. Okay. I heard... A loud shout from the throne saying, I love this, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. This is why God's dream is to live on the earth with his people forever. This is his eternal dream. He, and this is the, the curse is removed. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death no more sorrow or crying or pain all these things the old order of things under the curse because of sin will be gone forever the old is gone 
and the new will come. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this. I love this. Like he goes into these epic descriptions. And I could imagine even John the Apostle possibly being like, this is too good to be true. This surely some of this is just figurative. And God's like, no, 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 John, listen, write it down exactly. I'm going on record. I am going on record. Write it down. It will be what you said. He says, write this down for what I tell you. It's trustworthy and it's true. John, I'm not teasing you. I'm not that dad. I'm not that dad that says, I'm going to take you on a vacation to paradise. And he doesn't. Right. He's like, no, I'm telling you. Or he takes you like, you know, to Sioux Falls. And you were thinking Caribbean. And you're like, Dad, I think you and I have different imaginations of paradise. God's like, no, what I described to you, dream. It's safe to dream. I will fulfill it exactly as I've described. And he also said, I love this. It is finished. What? The plan that he began in Genesis 1 is brought to completion in Genesis 21. It is finished. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's like, I'm the one who started the plan in Genesis 21, in Genesis 1, and I'm the one who's bringing it to completion in Revelation 21, 22. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. He's talking about victorious over sin. How are we victorious over sin? You have to be born again. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus died to forgive your sins. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you have to walk in the Spirit. Learn to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And that's how we live victorious over sin. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. I'll just finish with verse 8. But cowards, because when we talk about eternity and we talk about the glories of the new earth and the eternal kingdom of God and what it's going to be like to live there, we have to actually, we, it's important to talk about the other option for eternity. Because there is a second option. There's, and he says it right here. Cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral. Those who, that, by the way, this verse, sexual immorality used to be a huge problem in my life. And I got desperate. I'm like, God, I got to overcome. And you know, one of the things that God used to make me desperate where I, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, can, I'll get accountability partners. I'll do it. I'll humble myself. Like, I'll war against even the slightest hint of immorality. Like, you know what made me desperate? Like, I never want this in my life again. Revelation 21, verse 8. Because when it said the immoral, I was like, okay, I don't want to be in that category. The immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then he goes on and he describes the New Jerusalem, which is so fun, but I don't have time. But you can read it. It's really fun. It's all literal. Enjoy. But let me say this. Let me just finish up by. I just want to ask you a question. So there's two. This is why the eternal story in the Bible it's not just head knowledge. It's not just a fun thought. It dramatically affects the choices you make today, tomorrow, in real life. 
is when you understand, like, he, when I got it, like, man, he doesn't lie. He really means it. If I live for him, I'm going to get to enjoy that forever. I got to be there. I can't miss this. I have to be in this place. Like, my, imag- my holy imagination is sparked. I am so excited. My heart is burning. Like, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's do this thing, right? And then, uh, but at the same time, I'm like, he doesn't lie. If the descriptions of heaven, of the new earth, are literal and real, so are the descriptions of eternal punishment that are physical. Just like the, 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 um, the reward for the righteous, it's, it's not just spiritual, it's physical, it's emotional, it's relational. The torment of the wicked for eternity will be physical, emotional, spiritual, it'll be all-encompassing. And I'm like, man, when I read these two descriptions, my God, I got to make sure that I'm walking with you, that I'm doing what you say I should do. Because you promise, like, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you'll walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. You know, if you will do these things, living by faith and not by sight. Living by faith in what? In the story. Like right now, we're only in act three. I mean, act four is coming, and that's the best part. It's the happy ending. I'm like, it's not done yet. And what we're believers. Why? We believe the testimony of Scripture. The good news about Jesus is it's the good news about his, his life, his death, his resurrection. But it doesn't stop there. Because if that's it, he ascended to heaven. Man, here we are. We're still suffering. There's still sin all over the place. But that's, it doesn't end there. The biblical testimony of Jesus, the good news of the gospel is, it's, not his, it's his life, his death, his resurrection, his return and reign on the earth. And it's like, that's what we believe and what the scripture says. We're looking forward to it. It affects how we live and how we make our choices. And so I just want to invite you. There's two groups of people literally living on the earth right now. There's those who know God and are in his kingdom. And are living for Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit in them. And there's those who are living for themselves. And they're not living for Jesus. And they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. Which group do you want to be a part of? Because he gives this invitation in verse 7. He's like, hey, all who are thirsty. You want in this city? Did I whet your appetite? Come. Because Jesus has made a way for us to be made clean and righteous and be changed. Yeah, so I just want to, uh, I want to just pray. And then I know uh, Mark's going to come up in a second, but I want to pray with you. Just encourage you right now, just talk to the Lord. I'm not even going to have you raise your hand or anything like that. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want you to, you talk to him about the things we've talked about this morning. Do you believe that these things are true? Do you believe that the day of the Lord is coming? It's a day of great blessing and glory for the righteous. Great reward and joy and excitement. But it's a gray of of great mourning for the wicked. Lord, I believe. So God, I thank you for filling me with your spirit. God, help me to walk in the spirit. Help me to overcome sin in my life. Help me to overcome wrong attitudes. 
Help me to walk in righteousness. Help me to live for your pleasure and your glory. Help me to invest my time and my money and my in things that are eternal of eternal value to you that will remain. Help me not to waste my life. Help me to live for you. I love you with all my heart. And I just pray for everyone who's here listening to this message. Holy Spirit, stir their hearts and their minds with these things. Help them to enter into this conversation with you and search it out in the word. Teach them the scriptures. And God, help them to align their heart, their mind, and their life with you to live for you. I bless them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to, and to bear fruit to lead others to follow Jesus. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'm going to have Mark come. And, it, you know, if you're interested in studying this out in a deeper way, you're welcome to grab a copy of my book. Or, or if you like the ebook, you can go to Amazon. It's on there. And you could just order ebook on your Kindle, whatever it is. So love you guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a lot to think about. Somebody is very disappointed today because you were thinking about that harp and that cloud and that relaxation. <laughs> it ain't happening. <laughs> I guarantee you it's not in there. But there's a lot in the Bible, and we came thinking we knew our Bible. Well, now we know we don't know our Bible. So uh, go back. We're going to have to go back and read it. So uh, praise God. I'm looking forward to a new heaven and new earth. I'm looking forward to being part of God's dream. And everybody memorized what God's dream is, right? God's dream is to live on earth with his righteous people forever. Simple as that. And not my, my dream is to live with him, with our righteous God forever. Perfect place to go. I just, just love that message. That's amazing. That's just amazing. It's a lot to think about. Just a lot to begin to study. It's like, got to find time to study more about this. It's just amazing. He's got a couple books. Thank you, Pastor Man. He's got a couple books out there at the back table. If you want, we've got... Uh, for anybody that's not been here before, or even if you're online, uh, you've never been here, you, bet, you, 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 sh you really need to stop by and stop in there. They've got these coffee cups with this amazing coffee beans in them. It is heavenly. If you want to kind of know what heaven's like a little bit more, like Pastor Jeff's talking about, try our coffee beans back here in the back our, that we're giving for gifts. So, hallelujah. Um, thank you all for coming. I just appreciate you being here. Appreciate you helping us to lift up the name of the Lord and inviting his presence. That's We need his presence. And Let's just pray, and then I'm going to uh, let you go. Father, thanks for your love. Thanks for this message. Thanks for Pastor Man serving you with his family. Thank you for the church he's building here. Thank you for the church here, Lord God. And, Lord, we just ask you to glorify your name. Help us not to lose what you gave us today, and help us to go out, Lord God, and uh, study and ingrain it into our spirit, man, so we can know you better and live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.